Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I think the one thing to look at is the length of the contract. Will it be a two-year deal or a five-year deal? If Davis goes the, the short-term route, the two-year contract... That would put him into free agency in 2022, and all that money that he left on the table in New Orleans from the Supermax, he can earn all that back. And that's also when LeBron James will become a free agent also. That was the voice of our friend Bobby Marks from ESPN.com. He's the ESPN NBA front office insider. And we figured the NBA season just ended. The Timberwolves, as we go into the offseason, are at the center of speculation. Reckless speculation. In addition to write that down today on this Wednesday, let's just start the show with some reckless Timberwolves speculation and get some thoughts from Bobby Mark. So we'll do that. Uh, quick shout out to Federated Insurance. Federated has been supporting local health care facilities and workers through this pandemic year. In fact, they donated 18,000 N95 respirator masks to Owatonna Hospital and several outdoor blue lights for the Owatonna Clinic building. Federated Insurance employees are donating their time, talent, and financial resources to help our communities. Team members have produced masks and face shields for healthcare workers and first responders and caregivers, and they bring that same spirit of giving also to uh, to everything they do, but also your business. They just uh, they build those great connections with business owners, and you can find out more about all the community work and all of the uh, the the business related work that Federated does. At federatedinsurance.com. At Federated, remember, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Reckless speculation. You want reckless speculation? Oh, how about reckless trade speculation? Yeah, we uh, we woke up in a speculative mood today. Here we've you know the, the the Vikings sort of the wave of the Seahawks loss has passed, and the twin season is over. But now that the NBA season is over, we said let's get into some Timberwolves discussion, Judd. Let's let's. There's nothing we like more than to speculate on things that could happen on this show. And Bobby Marks, who's been uh, he's been a friend of this show, he's been a friend of our friend Doogie as part of the Score North Podcast Network, and he is an ESPN NBA front office insider. And with the Timberwolves among the teams at the center of the conversation moving into this NBA offseason, they possess the number one overall pick. They're in the hunt for a third star player. We would love, Bobby, to just pepper you with some Timberwolves stuff if you're down for it. That sounds good. Let's go. So you have, and we should direct people to to ESPN.com. You have to be an insider. But Bobby essentially lays out for all of the teams in the NBA 
all of their tradable assets, all of their valuable assets, players that likely will not be touchable in trades. And so I think my first question to you is from a front office perspective, as the Timberwolves look to be relevant in the Western Conference again, what do you think is their best roster bolstering path? Is it to keep the number one pick and draft who they think is the best young player and put that player with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns and hope that that player is the third star? Or is it to leverage that pick for an established player that could help maybe a little bit more immediately? Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you can go out and get a, a third star, um, that is always the goal. The hard part is <laughs> there's not many third stars available out there in a, in a trade compared to the number one pick and you have that player on a, a four-year contract at a really low salary. I mean, look at what happened in Miami with Tyler Hero, right? I mean, you've got, what, the 13th or 14th pick and now you've got him locked up making $4 million a year and he's a really good player. Is he yeah. a franchise player? No, but he is part of something. Um so, yeah, I think if you're Gerson uh, Rosas, you are canvassing the league. Um, it's kind of comparable to the year that Anthony Bennett went number one. I don't want to say that the, num- the number one pick is going to be there. I just think there's so much uncertainty as far as who that number one pick is because um, it could be Lon- um, Lamel Ball, it could be James Wiseman, it could be Anthony Edwards. Like, we've got a wide net of, of players here. So, yeah, I think I think the first thing that – Timberwolves have probably been doing already is canvas in the league, finding what is the value of the number one pick. And then you kind of put that on your, your big whiteboard. And then when you head into, you know, November 18th, that has your options there. But I mean, if you can get, if you can find somebody as that third guy to pair with, um, with, um, you know, Carl and, and D'Angelo, I think that's probably the ultimate goal, but the, the trade part of it, you know, the, Trades are hard. I mean, trades are really hard, and uh, you're probably giving up more than the number one pick if you're going to get a, a, a third guy. Give me, Bobby, what, what you see as the most uh, plausible star-like player uh, from a team that might be willing to make a deal and would be attracted to that Wolves' top pick. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you an example. I think probably at the end of the day, Victor Oladipo probably becomes available. Because I think, and it's just the math lines up. If he doesn't sign an extension, and they can only offer up to 112 million over four years, it's probably less than maybe what he can make when he's healthy. He goes into this upcoming year as on an expiring contract, and usually history tells you a a star level guy on an expiring contract, right? Like there, you know, you kind of have to take offers unless you're Toronto and Kawhi, right? Like that kind of just that doesn't happen. So. I think that's where you're looking at that's the roll of the dice, right? So if you are going to sacrifice something really of good value, if it's number one, if it's 17, if it's another player, um, to take back a guy on an expiring with the uncertainty that he's going to commit long-term, that's a big risk compared to as far as going the safe bet for that player who's on a, you know, a three or four year contract. But yeah, I mean, we haven't really gotten that disgruntled veteran who wants out yet. I mean, I think we're kind of um, in the, in the beginning stages that, and I'm not saying that's, you know, the Giannis I'm thinking, you know, what happens in Washington with Bradley Beal, right? That's probably one guy. Um, I don't think Devin Booker is probably obtainable right now because of the success they had. I mean, if they went to Orlando and went 0 and 8, I would probably say, yeah, you know, like, Where's this team going? But I think they're probably living off that 
really good stretch of games in um, in Orlando and seeing where that that team goes. Um, but that's kind of yeah, that's kind of the process that you know that the Timberwolves are going to go through. Is you're almost going to sit back and let's see what happens in the next month if there is a disgruntled all star that maybe has the goal is to have length on the contract, like the expiring route you're playing Russian roulette with that. You really are because then you're having, you have a year of recruiting that player, but when he leaves, it's a little more challenging. And I, and I mentioned Kawhi earlier because like there was already a really good foundation in place. Like there was already a proven track record and I know they moved to Mar, but you had Kyle there. Siakam was still developing. Fred has started to develop. Uh, you already had a Baca. Um, you went out and got, you know, you had Gasol. So you just kind of added Kawhi to that mix, um, and it was worth it because if he left and he still had those those guys in place, we're here, man. If if you get a, a number a number three guy and he leaves, that's you know that sets you back a little bit. Oladipo is an interesting one. I think that's the first time I've I've really heard his name pop up here, and I think because he was he's only played fifty five games the last couple yeah. of years because of injuries, but when he came onto the scene and really broke out that first year with the Pacers. Uh, I think if if we were talking about that version of Victor Oladipo with multiple years on the contract like he had in 2017-18, I would be very curious about trading that number one pick. He he seems like a great buy-low candidate and a get-healthy candidate, but I don't know if I would personally trade the number one pick for him. Would I trade the other first-round pick that the Wolves have and, and take a shot on Victor Oladipo? Maybe, I mean, what do you think of that? Like, could you get Victor Oladipo for... Uh, just outside the lottery first round pick? Probably not. I think okay. you probably could do that closer to the, I mean, well, the, the draft will be over, but I think if you get to the trade deadline and, you know, they need to move him, I think right now you, if you're Indiana and if your goal is to eventually move him down the road is that you're kind of sitting in a holding pattern, you're waiting just for the best offer. And I don't think the 17th and the, the 33rd pick is the, um, is the best offer. Where on the other end, I don't think the Timberwolves would should trade number one for Victor Oladipo. I mean, as you mentioned, like I'm not convinced that Victor can return to that form we saw pre um, pre injury. I'm, I'm just not, and that is a big um, that's a big ask as far as what you're going to have to you know potentially give up for that. Outside of that pick, what do you see as the most um, attractive uh, tradable contract on this team right now, too? So if you are a GM and you're scanning through uh, rosters and salaries, what, what do you see, Bobby, as the most attractive um, tradable contract that the Wolves have? Well, I think there's a couple. I mean, I think we take Carl and, and D'Angelo off the board. Right. You've got the you've got the expiring of James uh, contract, and he'll pick up that player option. I mean, <laughs> there's no doubt. I mean, he probably already filed the paperwork. I mean, for that thing, so that will be uh, that will be exercised. And then you've got your younger kids. You know, you've got your former lottery picks. Um, you know, with uh, with a Koji and who you know fell out of outside the lottery, but um, and Culver, right? Like those are. Those young value, as we as I mentioned earlier, with like those the Tyler Heroes, those guys on those rookie scale contracts just have a lot of value because if they're really good players and they develop for you, the likelihood is that you have them for seven or eight years. You know, the four years of the rookie, and then you have them as a restricted free agent. So those are the type of things that um, that would really have value. Um, you know, outside of your uh, your two main guys there. Yeah, how likely is it that Ben Simmons gets traded? this offseason 
I don't. I don't think it's likely. I think, especially where with if I'm if I'm Doc Rivers, who's you know is taking over, I want to see what I if I can make that work. You know, I don't think you can move Ben and um, or Embiid there. Uh, and I would if I was Philadelphia, if I if you told me, hey, you can only keep one. For me, it would be keeping Simmons. I wouldn't keep. Um, I would split. You know, I'm I'm more of a Simmons guy than I am probably more of an Embiid guy. Um, so I don't think likely in the offseason, I think you're kind of in a wait and see mode. Both those guys, I mean, I mean, Joel's got three years left and Ben's just starting at rookie extension. So he's got five. So I think if you're Doc Rivers, you, you're going to want to wait and see what you have with that roster. And then if you get somewhere during the season or even next offseason, you say like, this is not going to work. We're going to have to make a decision as far as you know, where this goes. I think that's probably where Philadelphia would look. Off that point, give me uh, one move that you think has a chance of happening that would actually surprise fans but wouldn't shock you? Yeah, I mean, I have an article coming out on Thursday, and it's kind of like the um, – well, it started as the 10 big questions heading into the offseason. I added an 11th question. I think what probably wouldn't shock people, but just they, but they have never really gone through this process is, is that, my, as I said, my one team to watch is San Antonio, right? Like San Antonio is a fascinating story because – they missed the playoffs this year. They played really well in Orlando with all those young kids. I mean, they put, like, the Rosen at the four, and they basically just said, like, Deontay Murray, Derek White, Keldon Johnson, let's see what we have here. And there is a foundation here, and they're at a crossroads with the, uh, the Rosen's going to probably opt in. That's a big number to go out in free agency. He's going to opt in. You've got LaMarcus Soldiers as a on an expiring. You've got Patty Mills on an expiring. you got Rudy Gay on an expiring, all right? So what are you going to do with those four kind of, you know, at once core pieces here? So, but they've never really been in a, in the market where they're just going to break it up. They've always tried to kind of stay in the game here. And are they a team that's going to kind of hit that retool button to look to see what they can get value for? So that was my one, um, my big, one big team, I guess, to, to kind of keep an eye on. Yeah. So you, in your in your article that, that we're referencing here, just off the top of this discussion, where you lay out all the assets, you do have Bradley Beal on the off-the-table section in Washington. So uh, your colleague at ESPN, Jay Williams, is, is a regular. He's a weekly guest on our show, yep. and he's and he's known Carl Anthony Towns for a long time. And and so we were, we were kind of playing this game, like, yeah, who, who are the third, but the potential guys that are established that could be the third star? And we got to Bradley Beal, and he was like, oh, my God. If that would happen, like if you could have Bradley Beal and D'Angelo Russell and, and they could play any semblance of defense and shoot lights out, and you'd have Carl Anthony Towns, he was just salivating over that potential. And and I personally think like Bradley Beal at some point is in line for just a change of scenery. But you have him in the in the off limits category. Why is that? Yeah, I mean I probably should have put an asterisk <laughs> next to his name. I think I think he's different off limits compared to Kevin Durant, uh LeBron James. Kawhi Leonard, like those guys are not going anywhere, right? Anthony Davis, you could you could say that too. Like they're not like if you wouldn't even call Sean Marks in Brooklyn, right? Yeah. <laughs> like that's like the insult call. Like where Bradley, he's off limits, I would say for now, right? I think for right now, where Washington is, where John Wall coming back healthy. Um, he should be off limits until we see how those two work together, how John Wall is healthy. Now, if you ask me in January, on January 18th, let's say if the season starts and we get going here and it's like, what do you think of Bradley Beal? I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, he's probably like, you know, 
I don't know if it can work with John Wall. Then that's a different that's a different conversation. But I think for right now, he's off the table. That doesn't mean two months from now or three months from now we get the season started and the Wizards start two and ten and he's like, I don't. I mean, like, what are we doing here? Like, well, I'm not going through this again. Now that's 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 a different um, that's a different conversation. But but he's a guy like as I said earlier, like you know, it'd be an insult to call you know um, Rob Pulink and say, hey, uh, got any interest in moving LeBron? Yeah. Like, <laughs> right? Like, shoot you your shot, man, that. Gerson Rosas. If you're watching, yeah. if you're listening, shoot your shot, Gerson. Come but, on. But it's not an insult if you if Gerson picked up the phone and called Tommy Shepard their GM and say like. What are you going to be? What do you, what do you think about Bradley? You're going to be doing, you know, you know, and, and Tommy would probably say, you know what? Not right now. Um, maybe down the road, let's maybe revisit. It. Um, but so that's kind of, so I probably should have maybe massaged that a little better and maybe put an asterisk next to it. But for now, I think um, I would certainly think Bradley's probably off the table. Hey, what do you think the current uh, perception of playing here with where the Wolves are at currently, Bobby is, I, I mean, it, it's been a franchise that's, you know, been through so much. And I'm sure at times guys have said, I wouldn't go and play for the Wolves if you paid me X. But with the direction that they're going and what Gerson is doing, what do you think the perception of this team is right now? Well, I mean, I think the perception is, is that they've got a um, they've got a great front office. Um, you know, I've known Gerson forever, um, you know, when he was in Houston. I've known Joe Branch forever when he was an agent, Rock Nation. And I know I've known Sachin for a long time, when, especially when he was in Philadelphia. And we did a lot of deals. And they have – and it's hard when you walk into that and you're basically going to try. I mean, Gerson has turned that roster over. I mean, like there's like – I mean, Carl is like really the only guy I think left. And in the Western Conference, too, to be able to do this. Um, it, this is not the East. This is this is a hard feat. So um, it is a player-friendly, family-friendly organization. That is the start. Um, it is an organization that they will spend if they need. Um, it's a – you have a coach in, um, in Ryan, I think, is a player-friendly coach here. But the hard part is like now you got to get some of these guys right now. You got to, I think there's a foundation in place. It's like, you know, D'Angelo is the, is the roof and Carl is the foundation. Now like, all right, what are we going to do with the walls on the second floor? Yeah. All right. Like how do we keep on um, and going and um, are they in worse shape than some other teams in the past? No, I think they're probably they're I think they're probably ahead of the game compared to teams like Detroit and Charlotte, you know, some of the teams that have, were in the lottery here. I think, I think as long as they have a plan in place and they're not going to deviate off it, like like in Brooklyn, we deviated off the plan, you know, as far as building with young players and going that route. And then you kind of just go from step two to step nine. Yeah. You get a little bit of a taste of success and then you're back to step one, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I think that's the ultimate goal for them. But yeah, I mean, I think um, compared to where they were, maybe, you know, you know, I know Tibbs did really good things in that one year, but, I think there's a strong foundation here where you know that Gerson's not going anywhere. You, you, you know, Ryan's not going anywhere. We'll see what happens with this ownership um, change. Even if there's a, you know, with the change of ownership, it's hard for me to believe that someone would come in and be like, you know what, I'm going to wipe the slate clean and I want to bring in my own front office. And I think what gives Gerson an advantage that he went through it in Houston. You know, when he went with it, when Fertitta took over, I mean, he's kind of gone through that where he can walk that new, whoever that new owner is going to be kind of through the, through this process. 
Last thing for you. Reckless speculation. So I, and I, I don't even know where this originated from. I don't, I don't know if it was just like Wolves bloggers speculating on different things. But let's just say you got the Hawks picking at six. Yeah. And let's say the Timberwolves look at, you know, the. I know where you're going here. Yep. This is, <laughs> I know where you're going. This is a fun angle. And the Wolves look at the top of the draft and they're like, all right, we like these players, but there's not like a, you know, there's not like a franchise changing player. There's a bunch of good players. So yeah. we're, we're comfortable picking sixth if the Hawks want to trade up to one, but we need yeah. something to go along with that. And John Collins is a restricted free agent after next year in Atlanta and they have other pieces. But John Collins specifically piques my interest because he's a 20 and 10 power forward who shoots threes. Um, that type of a deal. How realistic is it? And how much of a player could Atlanta be? And how good is John Collins? I would do that. I would do that. I mean, shoot, I might even just give him one and give me John Collins. You can keep six. Wow. But you'd have to get a, you, you probably have to you'd be have to willing get, yeah, to match to, any sort of restricted free agent get, contract. You'd have to get something probably else back. But I think, um, I think he's a heck of a player. I really do. I mean, that's kind of, and then, you know, that's, that's different than a guy on an expiring because he's restricted and you have the right to match and you can get a deal done. And I think it'll be interesting what Atlanta does with him from an extension base because his cap hold is so low because of where he was picked and they can hold off and then preserve flexibility for 2021. And how does he work with Capella, right? Like there's a lot of different dynamics to that here, but yeah, that's the type of thinking that you probably have to go into um, if you're looking for that third guy, um, would be, you know, taking one, flipping it for six. What else can you, you know, probably something else from Minnesota comes back. But, yeah, I mean, that's 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 front office thinking right there. Look at that. So that's not reckless. That's not reckless. Speculation. By the way, it is not my genius. It's like the Wolves blogosphere <laughs> that I'm stealing here. So just to just to deflect credit. But. Bobby Marks, we appreciate you coming on. I'm sure we'll, we'll probably hit you up in like a month. We don't know when free agency officially starts yet. But we know the draft is in a month from now. And so we, we'd love to talk again in a month as we know more about what, what could happen here in mid-November. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome, man. Bobby Marks, ESPN insider, front office insider for, uh, for their NBA coverage. And like that, that's the type of thing. Like John Collins is not a household name, but if they don't think there's a franchise-changing player at the top, if they think that all these guys are like, they're really good players, but there's not a LeBron or a Kevin Durant or a, another Carl Anthony Towns, then could you get an established player, still have a pick in the top six by swapping, mm-hmm. and now you've bolstered your roster even more? Or could you trade your, is it the 17th overall pick? There's the, the other first round pick. Yeah, like, could you trade right. that for an established player and draft number one overall? There's a lot of different paths here. And of course, the cynics would say, yeah, a lot of different ways for them to screw it up again. <laughs> like they always well, do. But this is a smart front office. I can't blame them. <laughs> the cynics, you cannot blame at this point in time. That was like 20 minutes of just straight great. reckless speculation right there. Just inject it right into us. Uh, before we get to write that down predictions, let's let's touch on something. In the air, center field. Kiermaier drifting back. The Tampa Bay Rays, gentlemen, took a 3-0 lead in the American League Championship Series last night over the Astros. Jose Altuve has the throwing yips, which you the really... The knoblock, the Stevie oh, Sacks. Man, you hate really to see bad. it. Oh, it's just tough to watch. The, the Astros This is a big deal, you guys. Career-altering. Really like, feel bad like, for him. Like once you just get, awful. like once you get this, yeah. it doesn't just come back. It, it's not a slump, boy. I would feel even worse if, Bregg, if Bregman got the yips too. Oh man. darn it! Yeah, I don't know. Maybe uh, 
Maybe I saw oh. it coming. I don't know. Bregman <laughs> loves himself. Some Bregman. Yes, he does. That's he does. my favorite thing. Yeah. That guy has no conscience whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, he. Uh, I think he probably just has four walls of mirrors in every room in his house. Mm-hmm. Just break at every. And the most the important one is the like one it. above him. Yeah. Or more appropriately, above, above his bed. <laughs> that, that's a guy who definitely watches himself in action all the time. <laughs> oh, oh, dude! Oh, one step too far. Yeah, that's far. a guy. I'm just telling you. <laughs> he's, that's that's him. Far. You can tell. So, all right. I think we we, we were all segue. texting last night and just sort of. Lamenting the fact that the Twins have lost, and it's crazy to say out loud again, 18 straight playoff games, and yet the low-budget Tampa Bay Rays, and the Twins are like middle-budget. The Twins are not Yankees-budget, but they're not Rays-budget either. And the Yankees are gone. And the Yankees are out. out the Dodgers the Rays, might be yeah. out to the other high-budget team. So what? And the, you know, and the, it's not like the Rays have all of this postseason success, but they did go to World Series 10 years ago. They've they've at least like won games in series against big market teams, and now they're about to go back to the World Series for the second time in in twelve years. So like, why are the Rays able to do this, and the Twins can't even win a damn game in October? So who are the two thousand and twenty Tampa Bay Rays? Because I can tell you exactly who they are, and I can tell you the two thousand nineteen slash twenty Twins are not built like this. But who do the Rays remind you of almost exactly? In so many ways, Phil Mackey. Like another baseball team? Uh, no, yes. A recent, very successful, oh. smaller budget baseball team. But can I answer? Yeah. The Royals? Yeah. The yeah. Royals. It's very much the same thing. What do they sound at? All of the key fundamentals? Their defense, their, excuse me, Patrick, their fielding last night, <laughs> their fielding last night was off the charts. The bullpen, for yeah. the most part, comes in and gasses guys. They remind me so much of that back-to-back uh, KC, those KC teams. That's a good one. That mm-hmm. that's, But that's what they are. And that lineup in KC, just like the lineup with Tampa, you look at it on paper and you're like, eh, yeah, I don't okay. know about that. How but everything they, around, score runs there? everything around it supplements it so well. That's a great comparison. Yeah, but okay, but then you dig a little bit deeper into that. Okay, well, they, got, they have great defense, they've got a, a great bullpen, and uh, a lineup that's kind of good enough, but they're just really fundamentally sound. This is, the, this is the thing that's hard to wrap your head around, though. The Twins have actually become, in the last couple of years, very good at most of those things, too, until they get to the postseason. So the, you, know, you want to compare like the Rays and the Twins, I'm, and I'm not saying, I guess I'm just saying the last couple of years, since Derek and Thad really got their paws on this, this yep. roster and this organization, yep. you, know, you look at what are the Rays good at? Well, the Rays are good at all the things you just mentioned. I, I would also argue the Rays are great at just nailing every trade and maximizing draft picks and development. And you mentioned defense, especially outfield defense for the Rays and Kiermaier running around. Well, the twins have been able to do a lot of the similar things. They've been able to turn random guy pitchers or average pitcher. Like Kent Tomato was a good pitcher in Los Angeles. He's a Cy Young candidate in Minnesota. Tyler Duffy was a he was good in the playoffs though. He was good in the playoffs. That's true. That wasn't Kent one of like the three Myers guys fall. that played well. Tyler Duffy, Taylor Rogers before this season, anyways, like Matt Whistler. These are just sort of random guys that the Twins turned into great relievers. Defensively, you could even argue the Twins are better in certain areas than the Rays are the last two years, especially now that Donaldson was playing third base. Helps to have him healthy. Yeah. Buxton. And I think the biggest difference overall is the Rays, all of the things that the Rays are good at, and it's a little bit of a different Venn diagram compared to the Twins. Mm hmm. They take those things and they at least, at least maintain their performance that they had in the regular season carried over into postseason Mm -hmm. or elevate it. 
The Twins take the things that they're good at in the regular season the last couple of years and completely urinate themselves. Yep. Like they're they're incapable of at least maintaining the same level of you know things that they were good at up until October. Mm-hmm. They shrink. The Twins shrink, and the Rays have not. All right, for the second consecutive day now, now I'm going to take you to a place that gets a little bit uncomfortable because it's the nebulous world of, I don't know, but I think, all right? Yesterday, it, it, it was Justin Jefferson is a star playmaker who, de- who deserves to have his hands on the ball as much as possible because the Vikings have some very good players, but he's a star. Big difference to me, okay? Yeah. But it's sort of like, well, no, Thielen's good, right? Right, Judd? Well, no, he's good. Justin Jefferson's better. All right. So today's world you is— You got hammered on YouTube for your Thielen. So today's world—and yes, and, and I knew I would, and that's okay, because Sports Dad has to come in and pave the way for the reality of the takes. So here's the—so <laughs> here is—so here is the Twins' problem, because the Twins— I'm with you guys. I mean, the Twins are good. The Twins got a lot of key parts. The Twins have smart people in charge. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not a, what are Derek and Thad doing? And they the oversight is just inexcusable. So here it is, in my opinion. Think about how the Twins operate in the regular season. And think about the overall, what comes down to really a lack of accountability so often. Rocco is really good. But where do the Twins struggle? When the pressure gets on, they don't know how to handle it. They don't make love to pressure. They don't know. In fact, in with, fact, with a mirror above their bed, like Alex Bregman. Exactly. <laughs> in fact, they throw up. So I really think that we are probably like we could certainly break down things and uh, defensively and go through that. But I really think what we're talking about here, too, is a certain a certain place that the twins get to where it doesn't click and it does for the Rays. And I do believe that part of that is the lack of accountability in season that you see where where Rosario didn't know the ground rule. Well, I didn't know it either. That's just too bad. Instead yeah. of, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, if that's October, we need to know that rule. And we need so it's that area that gets a little bit difficult to discuss because it's not just black and white about why the twins seem to puke on their shoes when they get to the most important games and the Rays seem to embrace it and absolutely thrive. And my guess is that just from day one in Tampa, there is an accountability factor. And I'm not saying that Cash is some maniac yelling and screaming and turning out the spread table. But I think that there's probably an accountability factor there that the Twins lack. And it's why you all are personally... Why sometimes when Rocco's just like, oh, yeah, that's a mistake. Yeah, it's too bad or something. You're like, no, I actually think that's a big deal. Yeah, and I, yeah, some of that's, you're right. Like, some of it's hard to say, is that the reason why? It's hard to quantify but, it completely. But it does feel like the Twins don't really lean into the pressure in the moment. It, it feels like the pressure in the moment swallow up most of the Twins. I don't think it swallowed up Nelson Cruz. It certainly didn't swallow up Kent Maeda or, to his credit, Jose Barrios. It did not. Brio, and that's kind of a shocker because Barrios sort of represents, like, the the moment is here. Go do it, but it and got he the just man- melts, right? But it got the manager, who insisted on, on, on acting like this was game 58. And it got Cody Stashak because Well, yeah, and you know Stashak, what? It should but, get Cody Stashak. And he's a good pitcher in the regular season, but, but I think... And this is where we get into the unquantifiable. You just It's impossible to measure to what you said. You watch these Rays, and you watch some of the other teams. Like, the Braves have a badass lineup, and they've got Max Fried at the top of their rotation. But they're just like, they don't care that they're facing the Dodgers. 
they like they go into that game or that series against the Dodgers and they're thinking we are better than the Dodgers and we are going to show it to you. Mm-hmm. I thought the Twins had that kind of swag, especially after the Bomba Squad broke the home run record last year, and they sort of act like they have that swag because Rosario and like they they on the surface it looks like they've got that swag, but when you when they get punched in the mouth early or they you know they leave the bases loaded in the first inning or something, instead of saying all right, let's get back on the horse, let's do it again, they sort of stumble when they get punched in the postseason. They don't have the actual lean into the spotlight that some of these teams and the Rays I would put in that group. So That's the, what it feels like to me. So there is a big difference between intensity and tightness. Like the Braves have a cocky intensity that, and the Rays do too, that you admire, but they're not tight. They're intense. And that's a really fine line. But the teams that carry that playoff swagger intensity often don't yeah. care. And teams that get tight do care because, oh, my God, can we beat this team? We've lost 17 consecutive games. And that that's to backtrack, too. That's where where the entire conversation comes into play about the losing streak. Yes. Does mean something. And and, and to, to say that, well, none of that stuff that's happened before this year matters. It doesn't. You're telling me that it's just a pure coincidence that they've lost 18 straight postseason games. And it's been also 14 straight postseason games. Since they've scored an actual meaningful amount of runs. They haven't scored more than four runs in a postseason game. So the, so an entire lineup just coincidentally wilts. It's just sort of a random occurrence. Small sample. I'm a stat guy. I'm an analytics guy. Right. And I love it. Like, well, it's a small, kind of a small sample size. Like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. And I would actually feel differently if they had been swept by the Astros. And in the second game, they lost 11 to 9. And they just went down swinging. And like... They they got deep into their bullpen and the Astros just rocked their bullpen. My narrative would be different. I would be saying, all right, well at least at least they came to fight, but they just need a couple better middle relievers or something. Right, but the Twins lost. I, I think the Twins lost the series in Game Two in one place in particular, and it all goes to one guy, Rocco. When he took Barrios out, everyone, including Barrios, looked at him like, "What are you doing?" Like, where's the confidence here? This guy is throwing the game of his life. I don't care if he throws 115 pitches yeah. with the way that he, to for for an uptight team to have a moment where you break through that wall and all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, Rocco believes in Berea. This is great. Instead, and saying, you know what? It's been a great day, but heck. It's July 20th, right? No, Rocco, it's October. Yeah. That, that to me, is a very important place where you had an opportunity to make a mark and break through that wall, and instead you retreated in the direction of, no, 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 not today. You know what we need for analytics people? Again, coming from an analytics guy, for analytical managers, like you're managing based on third time through the order stats, you know, over the course of a season, it's like, we need a break glass in case of emergency during analytics decisions like that. I love it. Where, yes, nine times out of Let's ten, this is the Let's right decision it. to make. But one time out of ten, you have to lean on your gut, your intuition, and your eyes and what you're seeing. And so I agree with you. And the tough thing there is often that one out of ten times comes at the most difficult spot. Yeah. 
So, all right, well, there's more things I'm sure that we're going to learn from the Rays and the Braves or the Dodgers. But actually, if the if the Braves and Rays play in the World Series, that will be a master class learning things for the Twins. And no one will watch. Because those aren't like $200 million <laughs> payrolls and nobody will watch. And yeah. A rating right. of zero point, uh, Oof, point zero 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 two. Yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be pretty rough. All right, let's come back here and let's make some predictions and hold each other accountable. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. A quick shout out to our YouTube pages, both um, Score North YouTube and Purple Daily YouTube. Go to YouTube.com slash Score North MN for uh, a lot of Mackie and Judd non-Viking stuff and some Viking stuff. And also our 10,000 subscriber now YouTube channel for Purple Daily. YouTube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. Most sports talking heads make predictions, then hope you forget about how wrong they were. But not Mackie and Judd with Rami. This is the big leagues where we own our terrible predictions. Write this down. And keep track of each other's batting averages. Write it down. You like writing things down. It's Write That Down with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Write that down. I don't have a pencil. Well, remember that. Write that down. By the way, our guy Rami... We're keeping him in the intro of this, number one, because we're short-staffed and just production haven't changed it yet. Yeah. But also because <laughs> you know, he's still flirting. He still has a chance to win the batting title. And also, he is getting his dream job fill-in opportunity this week on the score in Chicago, the score 670. That was my prediction from last week. He had told us, and now he – so yesterday was his first day in the afternoons with Danny Parkins. And, so, and that's an open job. So if he does really well, if he kills it, if he, if he breaks a leg – like they say in show business, he could wind up with. Hope he knows his White Sox baseball. See, yeah, they talked a lot of White That's Sox. That's the big talker these days. Tony Larusa, blind date. Oh my gosh, they want, no way. They want there's Tony no Larusa to come back and manage, according to Bob Nightingale of God. USA Today. What a there's no way that happens, right? He's like 75, and as old school crusty as they it come, reads legit. Oh my god, don't do write it. this down. Anyway, write it down. You like writing things down? Well, we've got so here's how it works: three predictions from everybody every single week. We are the only sports talk show in America that actually keeps track of our predictions with batting averages and home runs. The predictions must be quantifiable, and we bring listeners into the prediction segment with us every single week. We've got Frank from Italy, and oh, yeah. we've got Dustin, and we're going to give those guys a chance to take some swings. If you want to be part of Write That Down, we do have some openings. We so we booked everything out through like October. Earlier on this year. And so we have some openings in November and December and beyond. You can DM me at Phil Mackey. Even if I don't follow you on Twitter, uh, you can send me a DM if you want to be part of the segment or if you just want to rip me. Whatever. My DMs are Both open. Are. Yep. yep. I'm I'm open to either one. Tough line. <laughs> <this point. laughs> All right. Let's get to the let's get to the wreckage. All Judd right. Zolget came in with a pretty solid batting average lead. A lot of red here, Judd. Three? A lot of red, and they're, they're, unfortunately for you, is not a page two of green to, to bail you out. You had Josh Donaldson. We're going to oh, clean up some of these twins. Like, there's some MVP yeah. ones in here we're going to clean up this week. So Josh Donaldson winning the That American must have been a home MVP. run. Yeah, it was. I think it was. I don't think it was a forced home run. I think oh, it was okay. just a home run. All right. This one was a forced home run. You said I-94 eastbound oh, <laughs> will be shut down this fall for an afternoon for the Twins victory parade. The hilarious part about this is even if the Twins would have won the World Series, you probably would have gotten screwed on this because of COVID. <laughs> so that was wrong. It, it would have been a virtual victory parade yep. shutting down I-94. And you said Manny Hill will predict at least two other teams in addition to the Clippers will win the title. He did predict the Lakers, but he never pulled the oh. trigger on the next one. Oh, okay. <laughs> Man, give him more time. He would have done I know, it. I know. 
So uh, you went all for three. three. Oh, I can handle an all for three. Jonathan Harrison, last year's reigning defending batting champion, had nothing come off the board. Okay. Manny Hill said Josh Donaldson will win the American League MVP and a gold glove. And that the Lakers would win the NBA oh, championship no, in six games or less, but as part of a oh, parlay. Manny. Part of a parlay that said Anthony Davis will be the finals MVP. Oh. God, that's thanks. That's terrible. Just go with the one. I mean, mm. come on. Dang. Rami Makhlouf, nothing off the board. Ah. Phil Mackey, a little green. Mm. A little green for I'm glad. You know, what? you know what? I'm glad to see you get some green this week. It's been a rough one, yeah. I did tell you guys that Byron Buxton would win the American League MVP award. Mm. However, However, I knocked some dirt off my cleats. I grabbed a hefty bat. And I told you long ago that the Lakers would, this is like over a year oh, ago. this is good. That yeah. the Lakers would trade for Anthony Davis. They would win 50 games again, which even in a pandemic-shortened season, they still won 52 games. And they would win the NBA title. That's yeah. a, that's a that's circle it. of bases, baby. Yeah. That's a Sano-like uh, home run. Uh, what? Got to give someone else. Maybe not a Sano-like home run. Oh, he hits. Uh, no. Dude, that's a bomb. That's if, a bomb. That's a three-item parlor. I'm connects, not denying a bomb. If like, he connects, that's a long home run. I feel like Sano. Thank you. Good, Good job. Away. That's a nice... Thank you. Yeah. That is that it's is third deck target field. Gene Carlos. That's stuff. probably my longest home run. It's probably my longest home run. It's third a, home run. It's really season. it's a very very solid. Yeah. And then I uh, I also went with the fortification of that first prediction. At one point I said the NBA season will pick up again. So parlay and the Lakers will win the championship. At the point of this prediction, the Lakers were like firmly in the mix to win yeah. the titles. It's not it's not another home run. It's, but, yeah, it's a knock. It's a knock. Yeah, it's a nice little knock Good for you. So back in the. Back on the rise there. All right, listeners had three things come off the board. They said, uh, Matt said, the Minnesota Twins will win the World Series and Judd will change his mind on the tainted title. Respect it. Never got to find out. If the Rays win the championship, will it be tainted? Well, yeah, it's not a real title. Uh, so stupid. It's a 60-game season followed by a truncated playoff in a bubble. It yeah. can't be considered normal. Truncated, truncated playoff? Expanded playoff. They had to go through more high right. high salary teams. Your right. off days. Changed playoff. It's a really nice accomplishment. Congratulations if they do. Bob said if Major League Baseball finishes, the Twins will win a postseason series. Poor Bob. Poor Bob. And Sam thought the Vikings-Seahawks game would be high scoring. It was fairly high scoring. Oh, boy. Well, we He's, all did. He said no matchup in week five in the NFL will result in more points than Seahawks-Vikings. Well, I know that Oakland... Yep. Oakland and Kansas City was like 72 or 73. I think that was the highest scoring game of the weekend. So, and there's like 20 more points in the Vikings game. And Declan Goff, a little bit of a bloodbath for you this week. You said Justin Jefferson will have a touchdown and a catch of 20 plus yards. He had neither of those things. Oh, this one really hurt, the second one. You said the Vikings will have, there will be at least 55 points scored between the Seahawks and the Vikings. It was 52? Mm-hmm. It was very close. Maybe they should have kicked the field goal. Wow. What it, what, fire Zim. Yeah. Fire Zim. And then you said Max Kepler and Josh Donaldson <laughs> would each finish top 10 in American League MVP. That hasn't happened yet, but there's no, no they, way yeah. that that happens. They got the word. They got the word. And that brings us to the updated batting averages here. Okay. Judd Zolgad still above 400, 411. That average was closer to 500 about a month back, but you're still hanging on. 
Last week was dicey because it was awful, and then it was okay. Yeah, you pretty much, I think you only lost a point off your batting average last week. Yeah, that was a weird week. You had like 15 things come off the board. <laughs> uh, so you have a 4'11 average and three home runs. Rami Makhlouf, 393 with one home run. Declan down to 344 with one home run. I'm at 285 with three home runs, tied with Judd for the home run lead. Listeners at 208 with two home runs. John Harrison, 176 with two home runs. And Manny Hill at the bottom with a 167 average and one home run. Write it down. You like writing this down. I'll punch up Frank here. Frank in Italy. Are you with us? Yeah, I'm here. Awesome. Look at this. We are an international phenomenon here on Mackie and Judd. First time across the pond for us? I think so. I don't think we've, I feel we've like done we, it. I feel like we... Oh, that's a good question. Dang. Actually, no, I take that on Ventline. We've had we've yeah. had people oh, yeah. from different parts of the country, but on not Ventline. on yeah. yeah, yeah, not on the show. And then uh, Dustin, I got him. Can you hear us? I can hear you. All right, All we right. got Dustin. We got Frank. So here's how this is going to work. We're going to go Frank, Dustin, Judd, Declan, Phil. We're going to go around three times, and you're going to take your swings. So Frank, since you're the leadoff hitter. What's your plan? Are you gonna are you are you swinging for the fences? Are you looking to get hit by a pitch? Are you are you gonna just try to get on base? What's your strategy today? I'm gonna try to do a little bit of both, guys. A little bit of a couple of singles, and then I'm gonna take a big swing. A little Ricky Love Henderson it. action coming up here. A little little Johnny Damon. A little power. All right, Frank in Italy. <laughs> Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. Fire away. All right. All right, guys. My my predictions will be uh, Viking centric because I'm a big Vikings fan. Okay. So my 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 first prediction is that the next Vikings starting quarterback, and I'm talking about the guy that will at some point, hopefully soon, inherit the QB one position on the depth chart from Kirk Cousins, will be on our roster either because he'll be drafted, traded for, or signed as a free agent by the kickoff of Week One next season. So it's you're saying by kickoff next season there will essentially be a new starting quarterback, right? He'll be on our roster. Perhaps Cousins will will still be QB one, but as soon as ah. he's not our QB one anymore, the next one will already be on our roster. Got you, like Jake Browning or something, season. or Nate Stanley or something. Exactly. Nate Got it. Okay. Exactly. Boy, that fans would love that. Let's just turn over to Jake Browning now. If they were to draft a quarterback and still start like. Stanley or something, this prediction would count. Because he's just saying mm-hmm. the starting quarterback. Right, on, on the roster. All right. Write it down. Absolutely. You like writing things down. All right, Dustin, what's your strategy here? I'm going gopher-centric with one Vikings pick um, and hoping to uh, to see these realized within the next six months to a year. <laughs> All right, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. All right, fire away with your first one. So I have to I have to take Judd's advice and make sure I word this appropriately so I don't you know, I don't do uh, myself here. So the Gophers will win the Gopher football team will win all the trophy games they play this year. Now the games they actually play, and I'm going to define trophy games that are games that include the Jug, Floyd, and the Axe. Yep. What about the national title game? Don't don't take the bait, Dustin. Don't take the bait. He's trying to bait you. Because because if they win, that if they He's win like all of those trophy games, I have a feeling they might be in line to play for more trophies. I would say this is a home yeah, run if this hits. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, all three of them. Absolutely. I love this prediction. Write it down. You like writing things down. All right, Judd Zolgad. Mm. All right, looking forward to next uh, twin season. 
Jorge Alcala will lead the Twins in saves in 2021. Oh, wow, my okay. guy. My Jorge guy. Alcala, the flame-throwing, hard-throwing Jorge Alcala will lead the Twins in saves in 2021. What does it say, though, that they didn't put him on the postseason roster? Sort of baffling yeah, to Yeah, I me. didn't get that one. It clearly sent some kind of a message, unless he had an injury that we just didn't know about. I don't know about the playoffs, okay? That's the past. Yeah, I'm looking towards okay. the future. All right. Like all great sports down, you like writing things I'm down? looking towards the future. <laughs> right. All right, Bill. All right, Declan Goff. All right, the uh, the Falcons will beat the Vikings on Sunday. The Falcons will beat the Vikings on Sunday. I need a hit, and I think the Falcons are going to come in motivated. The Falcons will beat the uh, the Vikings on Sunday. So I'm very simple. It's come to this, huh, Declan? Are the yep. Vikings motivated? Maybe. They have a better offense. I just, I just, I can just see the Vikings just going to a tailspin to the bye week. So... Falcons will beat the... I'm trying to decide if, if the Vikings still think, because they've at least had some close shaves against good teams and their offense is moving mm-hmm. the ball, if the Vikings believe that they can turn this around or if they've gotten to the point where it's like, yeah, this this isn't working. I don't think they're quitting yet. Yeah. I no. don't think so either. I don't think so. Not yet. Okay. Write it down. You like writing things down. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to predict a Justin Jefferson bounce back here. This is... Careful. After, after Careful. Hit- well, after hitting a home run here this week, I'm I'm just trying to get on the ball. I need to raise, raise my batting average to catch Judd. So Justin Jefferson was only targeted five times inexplicably in that game against Seattle secondary. So I will say Justin Jefferson will bounce back in the target category, and he will be targeted at least eight times against the Falcons. So they'll at least make a concerted effort to okay. throw him the ball. Write this down. Write that down. All right, back to Frank in Italy. Your second prediction. All right. I'm going to say that Dalvin Cook, is, uh, this is a parlay, okay? Okay. Dalvin Cook is going to miss, uh, he's going to miss at least uh, two more games this season, one being the Atlanta game and one being some other game uh, down the line. And on the occasion of this uh, second game being uh, uh, that, he is, that he's going to miss, Judd is going to complain about the price tag on Dalvin Cook's contract. <laughs> oh, that, that part's a hit for sure. That part's a hit. <laughs> There is no. I can tell you right now, that is going to happen. It's already half true. Yeah. Well, but so Judd complained yesterday about the contract, and I wrote about it. But so now he has to complain again from this point forward. He has to complain. But I will. will. He's got that part of the hit. He will. That's a great hit. (laughs) Write this down. I love it. Frank just tapping into our it's, tendencies. It's already 2-0 and on the count for Frank, and he just comes up and is looking for the fastball. He already knows exactly what's going on. The, the pitcher's tipping his pitches. Yes. Like Frank's just sitting in there in the batter's Banging box. Banging on right a trash there. can. Yeah. Hey, Frank, here's what's got curveball. <laughs> All right, back over to Dustin. All right, pick number two on the – or prediction number two on the Gophers here. Uh, at least one of Kenner Morgan or Rashad Bateman will be – a top five Heisman candidate, at least one of them. Ooh. Ooh. Interesting. I like it. I think that's also a home run. Could they both, if they both have big years, could they both be first round draft picks? Because mm, yeah. Tanner Morgan's kind of getting that like second tier quarterback steam. Yeah. But people need to see I more. So. I don't think he's going to be a first round draft pick. That's, if he has a big year. Yeah, but he's going to have a big year because Bateman's that, that good. And I think the scouts are, are going to. Oh, okay. I'm just telling you okay. this how football All people right. think. Okay? okay. I mean, I know people don't like All it. Right. Sure, I'm going to get ripped on. YouTube and Twitter. Right, oh, upset with me. Write this down. All right, back to Judd. His second prediction. I also had a Dalvin Cook uh, games miss prediction, but in light of the previous prediction, <laughs> I feel it falls woefully short, and so I have uh, retooled here. <clears throat> Alexander Madison will lead the Vikings in rushing this season. Oh. Whoa! Whoa! Alexander Whoa! Madison this is season. going to end up leading the Vikings in rushing this season. <laughs> 
Yes. Yes. Oh, I love this. Dalvin Cook so has much. suffered a, a a groin injury. Those don't like just magically disappear. If he tries to come back too quick, he's in trouble. If he doesn't come back, guess who gets the carries? Alex Madison. All right. Here's where the race is at right now. Dalvin Cook. 489 yards rushing on the season. Alexander Madison is about, he's 270 yards behind him with 219. Yeah, I'm just going on games. I'm going on games played, time missed. This is, this is, I think this is a home run. I think this is a home run. It's a home run. You call it what you want. It's a home run. I'm just calling it. Okay. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. All right, back to Declan. All right, uh, my second bunt single here. Uh, The Rays (laughs) will sweep the Astros. They're up 3-0. They're going to sweep the Astros. These aren't bunt singles, man. That's a like. That's just that's, a, I guess it's a 50-50. Yeah, it's I guess the Rays, but that that's tonight, right? Because there's no off days, so correct. correct. Yep. This will be off the yeah. board by uh, in about 12 Although hours. The, did you guys see the look on Jose Altuve's face after? So he makes that throw, his third throwing error in like two days, and the then the run train just keeps going right, and the bloop falls into right, and they kept showing Altuve, and he looked like he wanted to die. Oh. And so there's a chance the Astros, after being down 3-0 you know and all the stuff they've felt? gone through this year. He's got throwing disease. Wah, wah. Oh, that's really the inside. Old, the old Gene Harrington, Trevor Plouffe, do you got throwing disease? Yeah, Gene Harrington. Gene Harrington, didn't he used to work? Wasn't he like the Packers head trainer under Vince Lombardi yes, or something? Was. That's a great story. He was, yes. And then Gene Harrington worked for the local media here. For years. And he, and he would be oftentimes the first guy to ask questions in local press conferences and scrums. And Trevor Plouffe came up early, oh, yeah. <laughs> played some shortstop. He was a shortstop as he was drafted. And Trevor Plouffe had a problem sailing throws into, like, the third row of the target field seats. And eventually they just moved him to, like, third base and outfield and stuff. And I think first base. But he was just young, sort of depressed. He had made two throwing errors. And it was me, Gene Harrington, and one of the other Twins beat riders. And it's depressed Trevor Plouffe at his locker having blown this game. And Gene Harrington walks up. And he's trying to, like, you know, like... Make the situation light, right? It's a young kid. Hey, so, uh, boy, it looks like you got that throwing disease, huh? Ah, man. That's kind of a lighthearted way of like, oh, it's just you got that throwing disease. And Trevor Plouffe looks at Gene Harrington and says, I don't have a bleeping disease and just like walks out of the club. I don't blame Trevor Plouffe, actually. I don't. I rest his soul. God bless throwing Gene. Disease. Yeah. Write it down. You Gene, like writing things down? Uh, all right. It's back to me, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Write this down. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, maybe the two greatest quarterbacks of our current generation, are squaring off this Sunday. Okay. They will combine for at least six touchdown passes in that game. Okay. I don't know if it's five and one, three and three, four and two, but they will combine for at least six touchdown passes in their matchup. Is that Sunday night? Is that a primetime game? Is that Sunday night? I don't really care when it is, Declan. Okay. Good. A lot Good of games talk. getting postponed, and I'm not going to get baited no, into picking a, a day. Good, yeah. Okay. In their matchup, whenever they play, if they play in January, yeah. in their next matchup, in their next matchup, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers will combine for at least six touchdown passes. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. All right, back to Frank. <laughs> it's scheduled to be a three o'clock afternoon Sunday game. Okay, just in case you're wondering, <laughs> Frank in Italy, your final prediction. All right, my third prediction is uh, age influenced, as I am uh, approximately Judd's age. And I'd like to swing for a home run with a positive spin here, all right? Uh, so my, my third prediction is that by the time that the sports season starting in 2022 that involves the four usual suspects, so the Wild, the Vikings, the Wolves, and the Twins are completed, one or more of these teams will have reached the final act of their respective sports. So the Super Bowl, the World Series, the Stanley Cup, or the NBA Finals. I'm not going to All right. I love it. And you said in the next year? 
by the time the 2022 seasons are completed, Got it's going to take two seasons for each team. Got it. Okay. Or not because of COVID. I don't know. But but having an, having an end date is helpful I like there. It. I love it, man. Frank, you came to swing. Uh, since you have this this platform right now, is there anyone in your life you'd like to thank that got you to this point? Yes, most definitely. Uh, here in Italy, I'm, uh, I'm the co-host of an all-Vikings podcast. This is a podcast in Italian language. It's called Purple Valhalla. Wow. So my shout-out goes to my friend and co-host, Ale, Ale, as well as to all the Italian fans that follow our show. And second thing, really quickly, I really want to congratulate you guys for your shows. I'm an avid follower. I mostly follow you in podcast format because of, there's a huge time difference. There's like seven hours from Minnesota to Italy. But I love the way that you keep things light and informal. And at the same time, I get all the information I need, you know, for my for the Minnesota sports uh, teams that I follow. So keep them coming. Thank you, Frank. Thank Thanks, you, man. Frank. And uh, Purple Valhalla, if you speak Italian and like the Vikings, go check it out, Frank. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, guys. All right, Dustin, your final prediction. Let's do it. All right. Because Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer will refuse to accept the fate of the season and tank, they're going to pull, what was it, Judd, 2012-2013 when they won that game they shouldn't have and missed out on Andrew Luck. They're going to do something similar where they're going to win one more game than they should or maybe two more games than they should, <laughs> and they're going to pick up picking between five and 14 in the next NFL draft. <laughs> all right. Yeah, Unfortunately, I think you're exactly right. That's probably the goalpost for sure. So, all right, Dustin, go, go ahead, man. I said, is that a bunt single? No. Um, I mean, it's a, it's, 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 a, it's, it's not a home a, run. Like it's a single. They're tracking for somewhere in that range. Yeah. That's but a definite single. Still early in the season though. There's, not there's different things that could happen. So Dustin, uh, since, since you have this platform now, is there anyone you'd like to thank in your life? Yeah, I'm a native of Minnesota, living in Chicago, so I want to thank you guys for providing me with my um, Minnesota sports content. I listen to a lot of your Score North podcasts, and I also want to uh, thank the Chicago Bears for being even more inept with their quarterback uh, development and their quarterback ability to uh, to pick and develop a quarterback. Uh, it, it provides me continuous amusement with all of my Chicago Bears uh, fans and family members. Yeah, I was listening yesterday to to Rami's show with Danny Parkins on the score, and one of their conversations was about whether Mitch Trubisky at some point can even be like a Ryan Tannehill. Like, can he be? Can he like go to another team? Another team. And so, you know, we 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 sit here and complain about Kirk Cousins, and there's definitely things about Kirk Cousins that drive me bonkers. But as bad as the Vikings have had it for quarterbacks at times, whew, the Chicago Bears. Yep, definitely Total worse. disaster. Uh, Dustin, thanks for being a guest predictor today, man. Good luck with your predictions. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. it See ya. All right, we'll say goodbye to our guest predictors, and we'll go back to Judd Zolgad here. Your final prediction. All right, I'm going to keep it in the uh, the Vikings prediction cycle, and it's going to be for down the road. Write that down. Kirk Cousins will never win another playoff game with the Vikings. Hmm. Kirk Cousins will never win a, a playoff game after he beat the Saints. They lost to the Niners. They might make it again at some point in time. They might not with him here, but he okay. will never win another playoff game. Just for, you know, legit, I don't know what the word is, just for, like, clarification. Are you saying 
his current run with the Vikings, and like if he goes to another team, then the prediction comes off the board. Correct. Or yeah, Kirk Cousins will never win. What if he comes win. back in like nine years as a forty-year-old Jeff George? I say we bring it to an end at his current his during current his run. current run. So if okay. he comes back, we don't care. Okay. So, I just don't want you to be calling like eight years later, calling me and Declan and me like, hey, they re-signed Kirk Cousins and he came in as a backup. Yeah, but then he might he win, the win. But then he'd win because there'd be no pressure and that would be bad for me. <laughs> he will never win That's another true. playoff game with the Vikings. That's true. Oh, I guess you'd, you wouldn't call I don't want zero. that. I wouldn't call you about that. <laughs> Write it down. You like writing things down. All right. Back to Declan. Your final prediction. Well, I have a uh, bachelorette prediction for you here, Phil. I caught up on the season premiere yesterday. Dude, how great was that season? Oh, my God. I love how Claire, who's 39 years old, oh, she's a bachelorette. She's 39 years old. She basically identified yeah. the guy that she wanted to pick on the first night. Yeah. I read and I didn't read any spoilers, but like I read up on the ringer. They did their synopsis of it. And it's like pretty obvious what's going to happen with the way they're teasing stuff and whatnot. Like you kind of know. What's going to transpire on this season, even though they always That's say... That's music! Yeah. Oh my God! God! So, you know this is going to be some craziness, but it, it has nothing to do with that, because that has some spoilers in it. I will say, though, Easy, who was like my favorite contestant on the show last week, his yeah, name was Easy. There's a guy named Easy on the show. And I'm of not course. going to try to pronounce of course there is. his real name. There's zero chance I'm going to try to do that. However, my prediction is Easy will be on the next season of Bachelor in Paradise when it's, when it's announced. Okay. So Easy will be on a season of Bachelor in Paradise. Actually, I'm going to rephrase that. Easy will be on a season with on, on Bachelor in Paradise. Okay. How about in the next two years or something? Okay. Just so we that's can fine. put an end date on it. Yep, that's fine. Same thing. Like, I don't want Easy coming back when he's 40 years, years old and 10 years old. That would be, be a like, problem. Oh, i got to leave that oh, one on the board. God. And Larry Brown's still alive. And I, there's just too many things that could happen. Larry Brown is alive and kicking right now. Uh, man, I, I'm going to withhold Bachelorette predictions for now. I like where you're going. I should definitely make a Bachelorette prediction at some point. I was shocked you didn't bring one up today. I'm shocked. I, in fact, I'll be honest. I almost pre-recorded one, and I was going to show Judd and say you were going to make one today, and then I held back on it. Wow! Wow! I was going to do it, but I didn't want to come off the board so quickly, so I held off on it, and now I'm just admitting like what what I was going. I through. want I want things that are going to come off the board this week, so I'm I'm just going to say the Vikings will beat the Falcons with my final prediction. Okay, the Vikings will beat the write Falcons. it down. You like writing things down? They will continue to screw up their tank for Trevor Hopes, and they will win this game. So those are your predictions. Write this down. Write that down. Every single Wednesday on this show, Mackie and Judd, you can also find us on YouTube.com slash ScoreNorthMN if you want to see the video version of this and click subscribe. And if you want to be a guest predictor, just shoot me a DM on Twitter, at Phil Mackie, and we'll get you scheduled sometime, hopefully in November or December. We've got we've got a bunch of openings. So. All right, boys, good stuff. Write this down. Woo! Patrick Royce, what's on your mind today? How about those Rays, man? They get one little crack in the window, and they get five runs. <laughs> Did you see the look on Jose Altuve's face the rest of that inning every time they showed him? Yes. What, all of a sudden, he's turned into Chuck Knobloch. What happened? Throw some hot dogs at him. He's got the Steve Sachs thing, yeah. The Knobloch Steve Sachs thing. No. He, he, had, he had made, what they say? He had made a throwing error in like three years or yeah. some damn thing, and now he's in. I think we're the first... One of them was a ground ball, too, but two of them were throwing errors, right? So yesterday and the day before. Yes. So maybe they were. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Maybe it's a short guy, second baseman affliction. I don't, I don't know what it is, but uh, yeah. And then they can, they cannot get a hit no matter how many times they've load the bases. Some, some mutt comes in and gets them out. It's just incredible. Poor Dusty. Dusty's got the head hang going pretty good, but 
dugout, doesn't he? He thought, you know, he's trying to win that last World Series at 71. and uh, Just ain't going to happen, Dusty. Yeah. Uh, did you see the news from Bob Nightingale that Tony La Russa is in the mix to be the White Sox new manager? <laughs> Somebody told me that. And, uh, well, that, that's got to be a bouquet that they're throwing to Reinsdorf, you know, because crazy old Reinsdorf uh, still wants to act like uh, he's calling the shots. And they want to get uh, either Hinch or Cora. I think that's who Rob Hahn wants. But uh, I'm sure that uh, it's kind of like when Carl Polad, uh, when Andy McPhail had to be convinced, uh, had to convince Carl Polad not to hire Jim Fry and to let him promote Tom Kelly. And as a bouquet to Carl, they brought in Ralph Hauk. Remember that? They brought in yeah. Ralph. Uh, probably before your time. They brought in Ralph as a senior advisor. And what a lark that was for him. He was the... He was, the, as the major with the Yankees, he was the grumpiest guy that ever. He thought the Twins' job was the greatest. Kelly told me about the third day of meetings there, how system, you got this all figured out. You don't need me. I'll be showing up later. <laughs> <laughs> Did he really? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I used to stand next to him with BP down there at Tinker Field, and he would just, you know, say stuff and laugh. And then I've always told this story. He, there was a guy over in front of the visitor dugout, an old security guard, usher type guy who would steal baseballs during BP. You know, if a ball came over by him, he'd kind of walk all around and, uh, and then slip it in his pocket to give it to the grandkids or something. And then he had a little bag over in the dugout that he'd go put these baseballs in. So how noted this. So then one day I'm with him, and he's playing this game as to how far he can get the guy to come out on the field to steal the baseball. So he would start lobbing it over there to get to the, you know, get to the cutout, and the guy would grab the ball. So then he'd throw it in the grass, and he had the guy damn near to home place before, you know, stealing the baseball. He thought it was the greatest thing of all time. That's what he was doing as a senior advisor. That's got to be a decent salary for monitoring baseball stealing. That's not too bad. Yes. Well, but not only monitoring it, but encouraging it. You know, it was unbelievable. Uh, but I, that's what this, this this can't be serious. They, I mean, hell, he just got fired from his last advisory job because he was, you know, offering nothing in his advanced age. So uh, I think I saw I first choice, Pat, though. I, I think Nightingale's last report or tweet that I saw said that he is their first choice, which is incredible. Oh, oh God! With the, why would you take a chance on that with this with this know. young with this young club you got coming up? You want somebody who can relate to these guys, don't you? I would think you so. Yeah. If I'm the Twins, I'm saying hire Tony Larusa. Yeah, how's he going to decide if Robert? What's he? What's you know? How's it going to work out if Robert decides not to run to first base someday, and Tony yeah. decides to be a tough guy? Yeah. Instead of saying, hey, next time run to first. Well, here's the other thing. I'm I'm looking at a New York Post report. Well, the White Sox do know how to choose polarizing candidates. So Tony La Russa is one, and then A.J. Hinch is also one of the finalists or strong candidates. But he would be a hell of a manager. He just would irritate some people that he was back in the game. But I I think he's he's an arrogant guy, but I think he's sharp as hell. I'd like Cora better if I was him. I'd take Cora, but... uh, I, and Cora could relate, uh, you know, better probably to the, the, the Latin superstars that they have coming. But, uh, uh, yeah, I sure as a Tony LaRusso would be my last choice, that's for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know who got along with them pretty good though, TK. Even though they, Did they really, even though they had completely uh, huh. different personalities, and Larusa was always outselling himself. But I think, I think uh, Tom thought he was a really good manager uh, back then, back in the day. So yeah, he anyway. he was good back then. That that's probably yeah. incredibly true. But now yeah, you're right, seventy three or four, probably yes. Yes. Not too old to be a sports writer, but uh, too old to be a baseball manager, I'd say. <laughs> say, uh, Bob McDonald died, the uh, legendary basketball coach from Chisholm, won more games than uh, anybody else. Uh, 87 years old, retired a few years. He, uh, he coached until he was 80, 81, something like that. He uh, was in a senior facility and got the COVID and uh, up there in the range and uh he died this morning at uh, 87. He's got six kids. They all went into coaching. They all were like superstar players for him. Joel was the leading scorer in the state at one time. Yep. Uh, and uh, he's now the, he's been the hitting coach for a long time. But uh, the girls, the two girls, they were great players too. Four boys, two girls. They came in all personalities too. Paul, Polly, the oldest, uh, one of the oldest boys, is one of the great characters of all time. <laughs> he was. He's. Uh, I don't even drink, but I like to be around Polly when he was drinking. He was funny, man. <laughs> so anyway, they're uh, they're. Uh, I'm sure they're sad folks up there in Chisholm because he was. He, you know, he was just a legend of basketball up there. Hey Pat, we uh, we so I think we talked Whitey Ford with you last week, but Joe Morgan died a couple days ago too. Oh yeah, that's terrible. He's the best second baseman ever. I think it's uh, it was uh, you know he that was a trade when they traded a real they traded a really good hitter Lee May, a power hitting first baseman because they had Tony Perez, so they traded him for to Houston and and Morgan was you know coming over with. Uh, ability, but not with fantastic uh, stats. And uh, Cincinnati was really smart back then, and they saw something. And I don't know who would you rate as the best on the Big Red Machine. I would put him ahead of Patch, but not by much. That's and one of the got... teams I would love to have been able to go back. Yeah, it'd and be watch. what? It'd be him, Bench, Rose, Perez. Perez, Yeah, they got three Hall of Famers, and Rose is one of them. You know, yeah, because he didn't get in. Davey Concepcion was a shortstop. Yep. Bench, Bench, Perez, uh, second. Did Rose was uh, I think third base originally. Morgan second base. Rose was third. Then they put him in the outfield later. Mm-hmm. Concepcion was a great shortstop. Corner outfielders were were Griffey Senior and uh, and then uh, who's a really good right fielder? Who the hell? What am I missing? The other. Terrific right fielder. Caesar Geronimo was a center fielder, great defensively, not a not a uh, not a, not a great hitter. And uh, later on, Griffey uh, Senior was replaced by uh, George Foster. Yeah, not too bad. No, 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 no DH back then either. So uh, you, uh, well, actually, there was a DH in our league, but not in that league. But they, right. They were unbelievable. I never covered them as such because there was a. I was covering the beat then, but we didn't. St. Paul didn't cover the World Series in the seventies, and uh, and there was no interleague games. And uh, I might have I might have seen them in spring training, but I, I think Cincinnati was uh, in still in Florida then. I might have seen them in spring training, but I never covered any of their games. So, and Joe- I did co- I did cover Rose when he uh, set the hit record 
And I was there three days, and he did 45 minutes before the game and 45 minutes after the game for three days and never told the same story twice. Really? <laughs> it was the greatest interview of all time. And he, he, got, he got the hit off of Eric Shaw, right? Of the Padres? I think so. A little, kind of a little blooping single uh, left center, as I recall. But uh, it was, uh, yeah, he was, uh, uh, I don't know. Can we, uh, as soon as we vote one of the steroid boys in, we should let Pete in, don't you think? Probably. Yeah. I think it's probably time. Why not? Why not? What and did hell? Pete gamble on games as a player? I mean, I'm guessing he did, but that's that's been Who my cares? thing. That's been my thing is he's not going in for his managerial attributes. <laughs> I don't know if he did or not, but uh, we, we were much more worried about that stuff. It is kind of interesting that the uh, – that the baseball is now tied in. When you watch the baseball games now, who is their number one sponsor? Gambling? DraftKings. Yeah, yeah. Gamb- yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're not as concerned about that as Bart was, Patrick. No, no, we aren't. Bart was, uh, Bart was a little more concerned about it back then. That's for sure. Yep. That's for uh, that's for sure. So what about those? You know, those Bravos are good boys. Mm-hmm. They are. Well, that's we actually that's one that. thing we wanted to ask you about is with the Braves and the Rays, what are the things that you would want the Minnesota Twins to go to school on when watching the Braves and the Rays so that they can win a postseason game at some point? Wow. and There's nothing the Rays can offer because it's so unique that uh, I, I don't know. You know, uh, um, I, I think that I think the Rays – feed on everyone's overconfidence. I don't know what it is. But uh, with the Braves, you know, uh, you know, get young guys who don't strike out 400 times and uh, and also uh, play. But uh, I, I really love the nucleus of that team. But how about these kid pitchers they got? Oof. They, uh, yes. you know, freed, freed. And, I mean, that's what you need. Here's If, you're, if you want a, the number one problem, with the twins in the Falvey Levine era, which has been pretty good, and it's actually the Falvey era, is the development of starting pitchers. They, you know, they, where the hell are they? We, this is they came seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, right? Has there has there been one who wasn't in the system who's in your rotation now? No, right? Yeah, they've all been you know Maida, Pineda, Odorizzi, yeah, and when they outside. do pitch well in playoff games, you might want to not take them out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You might want to leave them in. Also, let's uh, you know that you look at you, you look at the White Sox, and they got a couple of young ones, but they got about three others that had Tommy John already, and they got about seven of them in the pipeline. And uh, you know who's your number one pitching prospect here? They don't have a can't miss pitching prospect right now. The Twins. So, Belazovic, I like him. Duran has supposedly got a good arm, and they traded for. But where are these guys? I mean, that's that's to me. Uh, that was supposed to be uh, the Falby's uh, contribution to the Clevelands, and uh, hasn't we? We haven't seen that part of it here. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, Pat, we got to run, but we will talk to you again on Friday, sir. Uh, all right, gentlemen. See you, Royce. All right, see ya. That's Patrick Royce. You can find his weekly podcast called Royce Unchained with Judd too on the Scornorth new website, Scornorth.com, Apple, and Spotify. Dan Quinn wrote a letter to the city of Atlanta. Oh, that's nice of him. I'm good on what, that. I'm going to read wait, wait, Dan, across my timeline. What's Dan Quinn got? Sorry for blowing a four-touchdown yeah. lead in the Super Bowl. Yeah. My bad. I should have been <laughs> fired last year. Sorry I stuck around. Yeah. Sorry about that. That Super Bowl thing. Now we're all in five. I'd like to have that one back. <laughs>
Unbelievable. All right, that's a wrap on Mackie. I can and get Judd. It to you, Zim. If Zim gets shown the door here, no letter. Will not write a letter to the Twin Cities. I don't think we need one. Oh, I we don't need. But my point is, he will. He actually he would. It'd be two words. <laughs> yeah, something you. Yes, something you Zim out. Big big glass of wine. Picture of him chugging a glass That'd be of wine. It. See ya. All right, we'll see you guys tomorrow on Mackie and Judd. <laughs> This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. 